This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Okay, this is part two of an episode that we thought we could fit into one recording. We're back. We're here. And we're back. We're still here. It's the series Becoming a Whole Person. Mm -hmm. And the episode is What Every Kid Needs to Know. Mm -hmm. And we said that we've boiled it down into two main questions. The first one was, am I loved? Mm -hmm. And you can go back and listen to what we said. The second one is, can I be free? It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, more freely translated, can I run the world the way I want to run the world and shape the world to meet like my demands or get my own way, right? So on the one hand, this is one of the things we say in the parenting class, tackling this question, like, can I be free? On the one hand, your job early on with your kiddo is try and fulfill their every need to be the center of the universe. And that starts to build that container of, am I loved? Do I matter? Am I special? Am I important? Mm -hmm. Now, once that gets put in place, your job shifts. Once it gets put in place, once they know this, somewhere around three years of age, your job changes. And now you're going to take them off that throne for like the rest of their (laughs) childhood life. So you set them up for (laughs) failure and disappointment, right? (laughs) Honey, you're so special. You're the center of my world. Oh, no, wait, you're not. You actually have limits and you don't get everything you want. Yeah. Or or it's God loves you. I love you. But I and God have a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. That's what Jay's already (laughs) always told our kids. Well, you know, think think of the beauty of this, though. If you really do a good job first three years of that kid's life convincing them that no matter what, they are safe, secure, seen, they matter, they're loved, and everything's going to be okay even when things are not okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you can spend the rest of your life like dethroning them <laughs> and they're like okay with it because, well, I guess I'm loved anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're talking about today is, you know, if you've built that strong love container into your child responding to their needs, now developmentally they're going to start to shift into this question of, can I be my own person? Can I differentiate? Where does mom and dad stop and where do I begin? And I distinctly remember when I had to make this shift in my parenting. It was when our oldest son, Jack, you know, he was a baby. And I just remember thinking, oh, there's just nothing that this child could ever do that would cause me to feel angry or upset. Like I just, you know, was so perplexed. You know, how could any parent hurt their child or abuse their child? I just, was full of warm, fuzzy feelings towards Jack. I adored him. Like you said, I had put him on the throne, right? My life revolved around him. And then guess what happened? (laughs) They don't call it the terrible twos for nothing, right? (laughs) 
Let's just say that um, it happened one day when he got a hold of the TV remote and I sweetly and lovingly told him, um, honey, can you give mommy back the remote? And he said, no. And he threw it on the ground <laughs> and it smashed into uh, several pieces. And all of those warm, fuzzy feelings that I had gave way to anger and frustration as I realized, you know what? This little person is going to assert his own will. And he's here for a battle, right? I, I was in the fight with him because he was starting to ask the question, can I be free? And I will also add at this point, it's in your parenting journey that you begin to realize just how little control you actually have over your child. I think those first few years of life, you feel very in control. You know, you you have them on a schedule. You you know, take them where you go. They're with you along for the ride. And in many ways, you are in control. But what starts to happen with each developmental stage is that you're slowly giving over control and you're helping that child to move into being their own authority. And thankfully, you know, you don't go from potty training straight to handing over the keys to the car. That doesn't happen overnight. It does happen incrementally over time where you're giving them more and more freedom so that by the time each stage comes, hopefully you feel ready and your child feels ready. But this is where the battles begin in parenting, John, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I love that story about you and Jack. I just kept thinking uh, this image of you turning into Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> like, I think every parent goes through that. Yes, thank you. We're normalizing parents today when it comes to dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, developmentally, as you, over time, give over more and more of your control, which is what you're supposed to do, um, you move more into discipline. Uh, you know, you're early on, you're like, am I loved? Yes. Like, mm -hmm. you're holding them real close. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing you can do, right, for a little kiddo. But once they hit that stage of wanting to be independent, the worst thing you can do is hold them real close. So, you know, handing over authority to them is in developmental stages over the years. So it changes and it shifts. And we're not going to go into all the nuances, but this looks different over the years. And what an infant needs is different than a middle schooler sure. and mm -hmm. a teenager. But the reason we landed on those two questions is because those two questions, according to psychologists, and they are again, am I loved? And can I be free mm -hmm. are the two main pillars of personality construction. And it's essentially, do I matter? Yeah. And where are my limits? What are my limits? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And those are the two core elements that are indispensable for a person to develop into a healthy functioning adult. Mm -hmm. But there are differences. You might want to say something about the teen years, Shay. I know. Yeah, I, I got think something you there. guys are onto something of, you know, you're working they're asking the question, can I be free? And so I think you're you're working in your parenting to give them freedom. Right. That That's where, you know, uh, you want them to be responsible, but to have freedom. Um, I, I think one of the things that we've seen, though, is if you're too heavy-handed in your parenting in your teen years, mm. um, it seems like your kids are most likely going to rebel. And uh, I, I know that one thing I think that we see a lot in working with people in the church, and, and probably you all see it in your, your counseling to parents, and is is we see a lot of what um, 
you know, Nathan Hatch, who I, I believe is the dean at Notre Dame, but when he speaks in academic circles, usually people listen. But he calls, um, he's got something he calls the Achievatron. Um, and it's this relationship that parents have with their kids. And so what he's noticed over, over many, many years is you have a lot of parents, they, they put their kids, they're the helicopter parents, they put them <laughs> in every activity, they push them very hard to succeed academically, they have to go to the best academic preschools that are out there, private schools, um, it, whatever. And, and what happens is, is parents are trying to live vicariously through their kids, pushing them and controlling them. And so it's more about the parents and their identities than the kids. And, and they have them in every sport, and, and they have no time just to be a kid. And I, I think, Lynn, I, I think we in particular, I did this with, with Jack, our oldest. Um, <laughs> I remember I had him in every sport growing up. By the time he gets to be a freshman in high school, he's playing three sports, um, I, I'm expecting nothing less than a 4.0. Uh, plus, he's a pastor's kid, so there's the, the there's a spotlight on him anyway. And I, I remember that I had just been pushing him so hard, every activity, you know, all of these kind of things. And I remember he was pitching one game, wasn't doing well. And after the game, I was hard on him. And 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 one day he he that after that game, he just basically was fed up and he looked at me and he said, screw you. <laughs> Go Jack. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or something along that effect. And, and, and it was in some sense kind of a defining moment of where he had to just establish his own authority and his own identity. Mm-hmm. I'd been pushing him too hard. And, and he was basically saying to me, Dad, I'm going to do what I want to do. And to be honest with you guys, I think that it was a good moment. Mm. It was a good moment for him. And it was a good f- moment for me. It was a wake-up call that, that God has a plan for his life, and it's not mine. But I was putting too much pressure on him to succeed and controlling him. And, and I think in some ways I was, a, I was violating that Ephesians 6 command to not anger or exasperate your, your, your children. I was doing that to him. And, and so I, I had to learn that hard lesson with him. I think I got better with Emma and, and Owen over the years, though, after, after, because I had learned with Jack. You know, I just want to say, though, that I think all of our kids, you know, in the teen years, so if you're a parent of a teenager, they've all kind of had that screw you moment with us. Mm. And at first you're offended, like, how dare you, right. you know, go against me, disrespect me. But if you can step back from that and see what's happening developmentally, like we're talking about, can yeah. they be their own person? Can they be free? Can they differentiate? Can they be different? And, can, and are they still loved? That It's actually kind of a proud moment. In fact, we had this happen with Emma a few months ago. She was away and something happened we needed her to help us with and she was out of town. And I kind of kept texting her and I was putting responsibility on her that really wasn't hers. And my frustration was coming across in the text that I was sending. And she finally just wrote me back and she goes, Mom, I'm not in town. There's nothing I can do about this. I've done everything I can. Like, you just kind of need to, like, back off. Like, you guys need to fix this and figure it out. And at first I was a little like, oh, you know, like, doesn't she care, you know? But then the next day I said, you know what, Shay? 
we need to call Emma and we need to tell her how proud we are of her that she is able to stand up for herself. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? I was wrong. I was kind of blaming her. I was shaming her. I was kind of trying to manipulate her through my texts. And she was able to see through that and stand up to us. And so we FaceTimed her and she was like, hello. Like, I don't think she knew what we were going to say. And and I said, Emma, dad and I are so proud of you because I was wrong and you told me I was wrong and you stood up to me and I'm proud of you because that tells me that when you're in other situations, when someone's, you know, manipulating you or pressuring you, you can stand up for yourself. You can be your own authority. What you guys did is what every kid needs, like when they are trying to be their own authority. They have to be able to hear no Mm -hmm. from a trusted authority, but they also have to be able to say no. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you're overbearing, controlling, you just do what I say, and they can't say no, then they don't develop that ability to stand up for themselves and have a strong sense of self. And later on, it looks like a manipulative boss mm. or a jerky spouse mm-hmm. that they don't feel like they can say no to. Yeah. So that piece of your kiddos saying, hey, screw you, <laughs> you know, maybe there are different ways right. in the English language they could <laughs> yeah. learn to say it that wouldn't trigger the Death Star right. right from the parents. But for them to be able to say that is for them to be able to be their own authority mm-hmm. and save face. Yeah. And that's what you did with Emma. Mm-hmm. Like she she wasn't condemned for what she did. You helped her save face. You were right. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. And wow, what that gives to a kid. Mm. You know, if you are controlling overbearing, your kid only has three options. That's what we say in the parenting class, right? They either become a sneak mm-hmm. and they get their mm-hmm. way anyway, mm-hmm. or they become... Um, an overly compliant kid, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll just do what you say. And then they have no ability to function later in life and they're living in your basement or they just flat out rebel Yeah, and they burn the farm down. Yeah. Whew, this is a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> Developmental psychologists have established the importance of this freedom container by observing healthy human functioning. And ironically, it's built into the child by imposing Mm -hmm. limits and boundaries. Now, question, and Shay, I'm going to set you up for this answer. How can freedom, can I be truly free, be achieved through limits and boundaries? It seems contradictory. You want to shed some deep theological light on this? Yeah. So this applies to all of us, right? We all need, we can have freedom, within limits. In fact, limits can be good. Um, Thousands of years ago, right, God revealed um, this deep wisdom in the Ten Commandments. Remember Exodus 19 and 20. And so he rescues the Israelites because he loves them, right? He has this relationship that he has established with them. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Um, He's establishing the, the love container, as we've been saying. But then he moves on to the second key question that we're all asking by he tells them how to be truly free. And so he gives them a a prescription for it in the Ten Commandments. And and, and this is because true freedom always involves limits and boundaries. I mean, just think about this for a moment to establish the connection. Would you really be truly free in a world without limits like the— Ten Commandments, so to say. 
without laws like the Ten Commandments, our existence here on this earth, I think, would be pretty pathetic. I mean, what if you could not rely on people to tell you the truth um, or to not steal from you? What if we were not expected to respect our parents and we all started out with cynicism and mistrust of all authority? Uh, What if the I love you between marriage partners was allowed to mean nothing? What if envy, what, what if wanting to take what others have was encouraged to grow unstopped? Hmm. Well, such shapelessness would be the death of any civilization or any kind of trustworthy or happy world. I think we're kind of there. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're knocking there. on the yep. door, aren't we? Yep. And, and so true freedom requires a container of self-limitations. And, and this is first learned in childhood through limits and consequences. You know, most of us think of, of freedom as being freedom from limits, but God And good psychology paint a different picture. Limits are essential to true freedom. Yeah. In in fact, think about this. You know, Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, right, obey your parents in the Lord, for for this is right. There are limits that we are to place upon our kids when they're little. And and then verse 2, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, which is actually the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments that has a promise. What's God say? So that it may go well with you and and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. So here is God, both Old Testament and in the New Testament, saying to us that, that when we honor the limits, when we obey our parents, when we're children, when we learn to love and respect our parents and honor them when they're older, that, that, there is goodness that follows us when we do those things. It's for a good. Yeah, I think this is so good for us to try to explain here because, you know, when you're a kid, you think, you know, when I'm adult, when I'm an adult, I'm going to just stay up as late as I want and I'm going to eat cake and cookies and candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I'm going to buy myself all the toys that I could ever want. You know, we think that no limits is what's going to make us happy, but what the Bible does show us is that wisdom recognizes that that freedom and the joy and the thriving happens within limits and within parameters. But in some sense, helping our kids answer this question of can I be free is a simple formula, which goes like this. You set limits with clear consequences, and then you give them the power to choose. Now, I say that it's simple, right? But it's actually extremely hard to pull off. I mean, it's much easier said than done. John, wouldn't you say that when we teach our parenting class and parents come up and ask us questions afterwards, it's almost always around this issue. How do I establish the limit? And then what do I do when my kid crosses the boundary, right? Yeah. The, the questions are very complex and they're very layered because they change from situation to situation and no one kiddo yeah. is like another. So there's so many factors sure. you have to take into account. So you don't pull out the spatula every time at that point. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, there, there has to be some wisdom and discernment. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But, you know, empowering your child to make choices, here's why it's important. First of all, it builds a connection in their brain. So there's a connection between those emotional impulses, 
the lower brain, and then the decision-making part of their brain, the prefrontal cortex. So when you give them choices, it activates their thinking brain, their prefrontal cortex, and it gets them to start considering, huh, what are my options and what are the potential outcomes? This is very practically what's happening when a parent says, use your words. Mm -hmm. They're slowing them down to use the thinking part of the brain to address what they're feeling or what their impulse is. Yeah, and it's basically building a neurological bridge, right, between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. And when those parts of the brain start communicating with each other, it builds knowledge, it builds wisdom, builds understanding. But secondly, why this is important is because it, it builds in that felt sense of personal power and responsibility. So one thing that we learn early on in our parenting is that kids don't just learn when we say, do it because I said so, right? I mean, if it, if it were only that easy, um, but they learn responsibility by making their own choices. Well, first us giving them the freedom to choose, then they make their own choices, and then they have the feeling of the consequences that come from those choices. And over time, this empowers them with a strong sense of just being able to trust themselves and learn from the reality, sometimes painful reality, of those consequences. Yeah, I remember Jack when he was little at a Chili's and we said, don't touch the sizzling plate of the fajitas <laughs> when they bring it out. And out come the fajitas and the first thing he does is he touches the plate and burns right. his hand. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> if a parent is always telling the child what to do, you know, you're nagging them, you're hovering over them, you're scolding them and expecting them to get it right, but you're making all the choices for the child, then the child never gets to exercise that no muscle, right, like we've been talking about, and learn for themselves. And, you know, one way to think about this, you know, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He said, don't eat of this tree. Here are the consequences that will happen if you do. But then he stepped back and he let them choose. Now, we know that they made the wrong choice, but he did give them that freedom to choose, and then the consequences followed. Yeah. Let me give you a couple of examples. Sure. Um, let's say that your kiddo is watching TV, TV's too loud, um, and you can approach them with this formula like this. If you turn the TV volume down, Billy, you can keep watching. You can choose to not turn down the volume, okay? But if that's your choice, we're going to need to shut the TV off. Mm -hmm. Now, this is really subtle, but it's extremely powerful because the child now has power, power to make a choice that will either lead to a favorable or an unfavorable consequence. So they're empowered to use their power to construct how their life is going to go. Mm -hmm. And this is so important because it builds this container that is the foundation for developing wisdom and for taking responsibility for your life. This is what true freedom is. Mm -hmm. Now, we've all met the guy, right, who blames everybody around them for their situation. If only my parents would have, if only my boss would not have, if only my wife would. This person stays stuck, and it's because they don't have this container built in for what it means to take personal responsibility make a choice, and learn from that choice. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the kid, right, who who brought home another bad report card and shows it to his dad. And he says, Dad, who do we blame this one on, my heredity or my environment? <laughs> That's good. I thought you were going to say, do we blame this on mom or, right? But, you know, I want to say something, John. You mentioned the person that has trouble taking responsibility. And it goes back to if they didn't have the love container filled up, and, and maybe we've said this and we're repeating ourselves, but how much harder it is to take responsibility when you don't have that foundation of, am I loved? And, you know, we always talk about, we want to parent our kids the way God parents us. Mm -hmm. And God's love container for us is infinite. It's, it's never ending. It's unconditional. It's everlasting. It's overflowing. And yet we only have our earthly human experiences with our parents to draw from. So we think, oh man, I've messed up. Like God doesn't love me anymore. His love is all dried up. And that's where the gospel, I think, plays such an important role in our healing and in our developing into a whole person, which is mm -hmm. what this series is about, because we have this never-ending well of love that never runs dry, that we can draw from, from God, from Jesus, from our Heavenly Father. And that is ultimately what is going to help us grow in wisdom, where we can be free but live within limits, where we can make mistakes but then take responsibility, where we can live with integrity both for ourselves but also for our kids and model this life of wisdom to them. Yeah. These are building blocks, these containers. Um, and none of us have these building blocks like fully constructed right. or these questions fully answered early on. So all of us in some form or another keep asking them mm -hmm. in adulthood. And so let's shift into, as we sort of narrow this down, what does it look like in adult life when we're not sure, as you were talking about, Lynn, that deep inside that we are loved, we matter, and even when we goof up, we can be forgiven and still loved, and our imperfections do not define us. Mm -hmm. What if we're not sure of that deep inside? Or what if we're not sure that limits are good and that real freedom comes from living within boundaries? Well, this shows up in our work with clients and people we work with in ministry. And oftentimes, um, people... Um, take their symptoms of like anxiety, depression, a chaotic life, and they chalk it up to, well, I guess I'm just lazy, stupid. I have a chemical imbalance in my brain, or there's something psychologically really off with me. But I think that more often than not, the older I get, the more that I do it, that if someone's struggling with this stuff, depression, anxiety, out of control, substance abuse, OCD, panic attacks, et cetera, it's oftentimes because life is asking something of them that they cannot do because somewhere along the way, they've never developed the necessary containers mm. of mm -hmm. love and freedom within limits in their growing up years. No one ever taught them or they were wounded in those places. So they often leave home, get married, and these unanswered subconscious questions will come to the surface and they're realizing that connecting intimately with their partner is actually really hard. Mm -hmm. 
and, and they don't know how to do it. Uh, or they have a strong reaction when their partner asks them to do something that inconveniences them. Right. <laughs> now, I don't want to slam millennials, but a number of years ago, I had a, a millennial guy who had just gotten married who came to see me. And he goes, dude, he goes, my wife wants to talk like at night and I just want to go to bed. He had been married like, <laughs> like three five or minutes. four months. And he goes, I just like oh, told no. her, I'm out, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like going to the other room and I want to talk. Mm -hmm. And like, she cries a lot about mm -hmm. it. He goes like, what, what do I do? And I looked at him and I'll never forget this. I said, well, first of all, let's just think about what you're doing now. You're destroying your marriage. Is that what you want to do? Like, do you want to just destroy it? Because this is how you, this is the prescription uh -huh. for how you like shut everything down and ruin it. And you'll end up getting divorced in a little while. And you he did a little reality therapy. Right. Yeah. His eyes got really big. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I said, mm -hmm. well, then you're going to have to learn like to talk to your how wife. To connect. Yeah. But look, if, if you don't have uh, some of these questions answered, you end up getting into these situations. You have to connect with someone, be patient with someone, love them, endure with them. And you don't have the characterological capabilities. The container's not there. So what they're really bumping up against oftentimes is how established is your love container? How well are you able to tolerate mm -hmm. limits on yourself? Yeah. Like I have to give up my time mm -hmm. and be responsible for your freedoms. Well, question, did they learn to be emotionally close? Or what about maybe maybe they just check out after the honeymoon? remote control becomes my best friend or I'm going to the other room um, were they ever taught about mattering and connection or let's suppose they leave home and they don't get married and they stay single all of a sudden they don't feel cared for by their friend groups their church or their small group well it depends upon how well established your love container is if you have a solid love container built in guess what you can endure periods of being lonely and at the same time, know that you're not ultimately alone. Mm. It's really hard to face, but if the question, am I loved, is adequately answered deep inside early on, you have a homing signal of sorts, like a solid platform deep inside that says, well, even though I feel really lonely right now, and it feels like no one cares for me, and maybe the people I want to reach out to me aren't reaching out, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um or let's suppose they walk out into the freedom of adult life and life forces them into making decisions that require them to be strong, delay gratification, and use wisdom. Well, can they make wise choices or do they choose destructive things? Well, depends upon how well established your limit container is. That can I be free question. Because that's the container that helps you learn to say no to your impulses no to hurtful, demanding people in your lives. Um, were they taught to stand up to their boss, contractor, or harmful spouse? Yeah, so I'm, those are just some sort of descriptors. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think another example I could think of, we live in a college town, right? So we do work with a lot of college students. And, you know, if, you, if you're working with a student that maybe they didn't have their love container well-established, and maybe they didn't have that can-I-be-free question well-established, guess what happens when they finally leave home and they're off at college? They go crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, they have no impulse control. They go wild because the boundaries weren't put in place. The right. love piece wasn't put in place. It's just so important.
Yep. Yeah, we, we see that all the time. And and so I, I, I just kind of want to go back and just make sure I, I understand what you're both saying here, though, is you're saying that this these are foundational pieces that that kids need when they're growing up, yes. that, that they, they need to feel love, to know that they're loved, to know that they have freedom, but it has to have limits. But I think what you're also saying is that if you grow up to be an adult, that, that that's, that's going to work itself out in some negative ways if you mm-hmm. didn't have those component pieces. Yes. But also, if you didn't, if you grew up like that, because a lot of us would fit into that category. Um, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> My that, name is John. Can yeah, I come to this my, meeting? <laughs> my name is Shay Roush, and can I come to this meeting? Yeah. <clears throat> that that the gospel, that that this idea that that through Jesus we now have a Father in heaven who loves us mm-hmm. and unconditionally, and and He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The more we believe that and rest our hearts in that, then then that frees us up. That love container can get freed up because of the gospel, so that we can. As- respond appropriately in life yeah I think so there's that, hope there's yeah, hope i think that's good can we move in here to like how we address this as adults yes there's just one more thing that i want to just kind of put my finger on here and that is the more i think about this series and these two episodes that we've done on what every child needs to know i had this thought of you know little kids aren't fully formed adults but fully formed adults are actually just little Oh, it's so true. Like we all have this little kid part inside of us that is asking these questions. And Shay, you're exactly right. You've been listening well. This is what we bring into adulthood. We bring it into our marriages. We bring it into our jobs, our churches, our small groups. We bring it into our parenting. And so that's why we think these episodes are just as important for you as an adult to work on yourself as it is for you to, gee, what do I do with my kids? So great point. And yes, what does the gospel say about these questions, John? Yeah. Um, let's go with grace, truth, and time mm-hmm. as a way to categorize this stuff. And like I got this from Henry Cloud and John Townsend, and it has just stood the test of time for mm-hmm. me, like as I've done ministry. So let's just stay with that. Um, Grace means you find resources outside of yourself. Now, the grace of the gospel is the perfect example of that. Like Jesus is outside of me and he brings to me what I don't have, okay? So what does it mean practically as you start to work on these growth areas as an adult? Grace would look like finding safe people. Mm -hmm. People that you can do life with that can understand where you need to grow and who can be very compassionate and honest with Mm -hmm. you about Mm -hmm. like where you need to grow. Um, But very important that I want to throw in here is the need to grieve the loss of some of these things from your family of origin. You know, maybe you've got a family member who ghosts you. Maybe you have a family member you don't want to have anything to do with because they're hurtful. Maybe you got wounded early on by a hurtful parent and you didn't give the lo- get the love that you needed, I would say this, grieve the loss of that, and grieving is a whole nother topic, Right. but don't give up on the essence of love because you didn't get all that you needed when you were growing up, because the essence of love is the heart of God himself, mm-hmm. and he's alive, and he is going to work in you 
and that's what he's designed like salvation for is to restore his image in you and he wants to ground you in love as you move forward it's something god wants to give you and draw out of you so that you can give life to other people so if you don't grieve the family of origin stuff Mm -hmm. that's wounded you or what you didn't get that you needed and you're upset about it Mm -hmm. you're going to stay stuck in those areas yeah and i think the second component of it jack or john just real quickly um, is that truth aspect of, of, of finding someone in your life who is a trusted mentor, maybe it's a, a, just a good friend, who can um, speak truth into your life um, so hmm. that you can begin to see these areas. But you need that truth component uh, mixed with grace as well. Um, but, but somebody that cares about you and loves you enough that will speak truth and love to you is so important in this process as well. Yeah, and I think just that last ingredient you know, is time. You know, this is a process of continuing to grow throughout the rest of our lives. And these are concepts that we are learning over and over again. You know, we did our Grounded in Grace series. If you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen. All those episodes are so good because, John, you bring out in one of those episodes that we are going to need to be fathered Mm -hmm. throughout eternity. And God calls himself our father. He will always be our father. And so just this simple formula, grace plus truth over time, don't underestimate how long it takes for some of these components to to grow and get solidified in our lives. But because God is working, we know that's how he's parenting us with love, with limits, with grace, with truth, with time. So thank you so much for being here with us. These episodes have been fantastic, good for my heart, hopefully good for yours, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, and can I just say this, Lynn, here at the end, if, you, if you're if you out there listening and finding these episodes helpful, send them on to a friend because there yes. might be other people that could benefit from these. Absolutely. Text a friend. Let yep. them know. See you next time. All right. Thanks for, thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at WithYouInTheWeeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.